0: Hey there, all you hip cats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel powered disciples of cool. This is Tales from the Flipside on the Diesel Punk Podcast, and I am your host, the comic book loving, time traveling, deco punk prophet of pop culture, John Pica, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. And I am coming to you live, swinging solid from the mobile studio, and bringing you an episode centered around Diesel Punk TV. And before we get to my top picks for Diesel Punk TV, I want to remind you to check out our sponsor this week. That's Comic Bento. They deliver a mystery box of comics and graphic novels valued at at least $50 guaranteed every month right to your mailbox for right around 20 bucks and you can get your own at mycomicbento.com that's mycomicbento.com and that's how that helps us and that would be great so it occurred to me that we talk a lot about diesel punk movies, but we really don't talk a whole lot about diesel punk TV on the Diesel Punk podcast. And so I thought it would be a good idea to run down some of my favorite diesel punk television shows. And, you know, I say we don't talk about it a whole lot, we do talk about it in passing. But there's not nearly as much focus on television as there is dieselpunk movies. And movies seems to be the big focus of most people. So I thought it would be really good to just kind of talk through some dieselpunk TV. Now before we do that, let's set the table. What is dieselpunk? Well, dieselpunk is a fusion of science fiction, fantasy, alternate history, um, with the style and aesthetics of the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and into the 1950s. It's retrofuturism, which means that it sees the world of tomorrow through yesterday's eyes. And to qualify, it's got to have a few elements. It's got to Have the visual aesthetics or the style aesthetics of the era. We call that decodence. It's got to have some element of sci-fi, fantasy, alt history, maybe magic, occult. Something that turns it on its side and and makes it not true history. If that makes sense. So uh, it's got to have that. That dense. it's got to have the the, the sci-fi and fantasy. And the third element is it's got to have punk. And punk comes in a lot of different forms for a lot of different people. But primarily, it is a countercultural element. It is a push against the status quo. It is a celebration of the anti-hero. A push against tyranny and fascism. And all of the television shows that I am going to uh, talk about have that that element to some degree. Now, for some people, punk may be even a bigger countercultural movement. So for, like me, I reject contemporary casual culture. And I express my punk, my displeasure for the status quo By dressing in a shirt and tie, coat, fedora, or flat cap every day, often with a waistcoat, sometimes with a long, you know, frock coat or or zoot suit coat, that is my rejection of contemporary casual culture, which has become the norm, the status quo, and I reject the status quo, that's how I am a punk. And quite honestly, if you embrace the national uniform of the t-shirt, cargo shorts, and flip-flops, well, you're just wrong. All right, so let's talk about Diesel Punk TV. And I uh, put together a list here uh, and some notes on what I really think are the top five for me. Now, there are some honorable mentions that uh, I did not include. And it occurs to me that after... I put my notes together. I maybe forgot a pretty substantial one, and I'll just get that one out of the way right now. Uh, Batman the animated series, and the reason I did it didn't occur to me when I was putting this list together is because it is animated, and all of the other TV shows that are on my list are live action. But certainly, Kevin Conroy, um, Mark Hamill is the Joker. The the Dark Deco dieselpunk aesthetics of Batman the Animated Series cannot be denied. And there's quite a bit of discussion about it on our previous episode uh, with the uh, syndicated Fedora Chronicles on the Diesel Punk podcast talking about Dark Deco. And Larry Amiett has some great feedback and some great insight on that. So you can go back and listen to that. That was posted just last week. So that's our previous episode on Dark Deco, but for today's discussion, we're going to talk about live action television series, and first up on my list is one of my recent favorite shows, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, and this is a series based on author Carrie Greenwood's novels, and it revolves around the personal and professional life of Phryne Fisher, a glamorous private detective in 1920s Melbourne, Australia. And um, in the first series, uh, in the first season, uh, a running theme is the kidnapping and death of Phryne's younger sister Janie when they were children watching a circus, a crime that still haunts Phryne, feeling she should have protected her sister. Once we get past the second and third into the third season... That's so much not a theme. But what is a a theme throughout is that Friday Fisher is basically um, good at everything. She's what they call a Mary Jane. She's a motorcycle uh, racer. She's a pilot. She's a burlesque dancer. She can sing. She can paint. She's, uh, you know... She's athletic. She's uh, she's just fantastic. And Essie Davis plays Franny Fisher, an independent, glamorous private detective who is determined to solve any crime. Nathan Page is Detective in uh, Detective Inspector John Jack Robinson, a police detective who works reluctantly with Miss Fisher, but becomes a romantic love interest as the series develops. Ashley Cummings is Dorothy Dot Williams, Miss Fisher's paid companion. And Dot is a devout Catholic and has an ongoing relationship with Hugh Collins, a Protestant. And late in uh, season three, they get married. Spoiler alert. Let's see, Hugo, Hugo... Hugo Johnson, Hugo Johnstone Burt. Oh, sorry I messed that up, Hugo. Uh, he's, ha- he's Constable Hugh Collins. I swear, this is the first day with my new tongue. Constable Hugh Collins, Inspector Robinson's right-hand man, and Dot's boyfriend and later husband. And then finally, rounding out the core cast, is Richard Bly as Mr. Butler. Miss Fisher's loyal loyal butler, an excellent household manager who provides good advice when needed, and he's a veteran of the Australian Imperial Air Force who can put up a fight if required to. And I actually see Mr. Butler as kind of how I wanted Jarvis to be on uh Agent Carter. He he's smart, he's witty, and he's tough. And um, I really like that. Now, the real star of this series, although I'm in love with Essie Davis as Franny Fisher, the real star of this series is Miss Fisher's outfits, the architecture, and the vehicles. Most of the supporting cast actually wear the exact same costume every episode, but Franny is wearing something beautiful and extravagant and jaw-dropping every single episode and several outfits throughout the episode. It's like the entire budget was spent on her cars and her costumes. All of the costumes are authentic, but the real star is Phryne's costumes and the architecture of the area and, and the vehicles. Now, what makes it punk is the fact that Franny Fisher is a wealthy heiress who is an, a Jack, or Jill in this case, of all trades, an expert, a Mary Jane, if you will, but she's a female detective. And in the 1920s, women just weren't detectives. They were housewives, they were nurses, they were housekeepers and maids they weren't out solving crimes with a gold-plated revolver. And Phryne's mission is not just to solve crimes, but she's really carving a course for, for women and bucking the authority. She is rebelling against the authority that would say that she is not qualified to be a detective and that women can't do this role. Now it makes that point without ever being preachy. You're not going to be preached at. um, You're just going to love, love, love this series and fall in love with Miss Fisher just like I have. Next on my list is a show from 1982, and it was um, it was a series that featured the romance of early aviation, exotic locales, and cliffhanging action. It was aired following the success of the film Raiders of the Lost Ark the previous year. And if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard me mention this show in previous episodes, and that is Tales of the Gold Monkey. It's set in 1938 in the South Pacific, and the series is about an ex-Flying Tigers pilot, and... This is an anachronism, by the way, since the Flying Tigers operated from 41 to 42. So right away, we've got alternate history. Um, And he's Jake Cutter, played by Stephen Collins. And he's now the operator of an air cargo delivery service based on the fictional South Seas island of Boragora. And he flies a red and white grooming goose called Cutter's goose uh, the goose is a uh, is an airplane uh, a pontoon plane jake's best friend is is his mechanic corky and a uh, a jack russell terrier named jack who, which barks once for no and twice for yes or the opposite if it suits him and um Corky and Jack would debu- dispute who Jake's best friend really is. Love Jack, the dog. He wears an eye patch, but used to have a false eye made of opal with a star, sass- star sapphire in the center that Jake lost in a poker game, and Jack refuses to let Jake forget it. Uh, Jake's love interest is U.S. government spy contact Sarah, Sarah White, she sings in the monkey bar as a cover for her espionage activities. And the, river, the Reverend Willie Tenboom is a, a phony man of the cloth who likes to bless, quote-unquote, the female natives in private prayer, quote-unquote. And he's actually a Nazi spy named Willie, but he's got interests on both sides. Bon Chance Louis is played by Roddy McDowell, and he's the owner of the Monkey Bar and the French magistrate of Boragora. Uh, let's see, Jake's nemesis is the princess, Japanese princess uh, Koji, a dragon lady type of character who has eyes for Jake. And by the way, um, Koji is played by Du Dubois. Uh, Corky is played by uh, Jeff McKay. And uh, Reverend Willie Tenboom is John Calvin. And then um, the last character to round out the uh, the, the main cast is Koji's bodyguard uh, John uh, Toto played by John uh, Fujioka, a fierce Bushido and loyal to the princess. Um, and you know although Calvin, the uh, the, the Man of the Cloth, the, the Priest, Dubois, and Fujioko were billed on the opening credits of each episode. They only appear in a semi-regular basis in a handful of episodes. Really, most of its focus is around Jake, Corky, Sarah, and Bonchance Louis. Um, the title is derived from a giant mythical golden statue that is the focal point of the pilot episode but it's only seen by the viewer at the end of the show. The characters end their search for the statue after finding a substitute brass monkey that is kept at the monkey bar for the rest of the series. So, there's some mysticism in this. Um, There's some... You know, Jake is kind of a cross between Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Um, And that's what the series was, you know, trying to play off of. Um, And... The, the punk in this is that Jake is really outside the boundaries of any government. He's kind of a man without a country. And he bucks the system on both sides. He's a reluctant hero, but, you know, he's the anti-hero. He ends up doing the right things, sometimes for the wrong reasons... But sometimes for the right reasons, it's um it's an interesting series. It uh, has all of the aesthetics. It it looks great, holds up really well even to this day. There are a couple of hairstyles that are a little bit off, but um, you know it was released to capitalize on Raiders of the Lost Ark. It only ran, I believe, two seasons. And all of the seasons, the entire series is available on DVD and Blu-ray, which I own. And uh, you can check that out. Uh, By the way, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, you can see on Netflix. Tales of the Gold Monkey is not available for streaming, although you can probably find episodes on YouTube, but you can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. All right. Up next, this is a current season, or current series rather, Man in the High Castle, the alternate history story based on the novel of the same name, Uh, it's uh, by Philip K. Dick, the novel, and uh, in the series it's an alternate version of 1962 America, where the Axis powers have won World War II and divided the United States into two puppet states the Greater Nazi Reich, and the Japanese Pacific States. And the series follows characters whose destinies intertwine after coming into contact with a series of propaganda films that show a vastly different history from that of their own. Alright, so you've heard us talk about this series quite a bit. We love it, and Season 3 should be releasing any moment on Amazon Studios, Amazon Prime TV. Uh, It stars Alexa Davalos or Davalos as Juliana Crane, a young woman from San Francisco who is outwardly happy living under Japanese control. She's an expert in Aikido and is friendly with Japanese people living in San Francisco. Her mother harbors hatred of the Japanese as they killed Juliana's father during the war. Uh, Rupert Evans as Frank Frick, Juliana's boyfriend. He works in a factory creating replicas of pre-war American pistols that are prized by the Japanese, while on his own time he creates original jewelry and sketches. When Juliana vanishes just after the police kill her sister, spoiler, Frank is taken into custody, which is particularly dangerous since he had a Jewish grandfather and would face execution if this fact were exposed. His experience with the Japanese causes him to turn against the the state. Uh, Let's see, Luke uh, Kleintank is Joe Blake, a new recruit to the underground American resistance who is actually an agent working for the SS under uber group and fuhrer John Smith. And he transports a copy of a reel of the forbidden film The Grasshopper Lies Heavy to the neutral Rocky Mountain states as part of his mission to infiltrate the American resistance. And Joe Blake is one of these characters that you, you really hate him because you want him to do the right thing. You want to root for him. And he wants to do the right thing, but he he just keeps messing up. And and his consistent failures just make you hate him. At least for me. Um, DJ Qualls is Ed McCarthy, Frank's co-worker and friend. He's one of those guys that when you see him, you're like, oh, that guy. He was in that movie. He was in Road Trip and I think uh, Up a Creek. And he's he's just one of those those faces that you remember. Let's see. Kerry uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa. Tagawa is uh, Tagomi, the trade minister of the Pacific States of America. And his true loyalties are ambiguous for, through the first season. Um, Prime, uh, trade minister Tagomi... Is another one of those actors. If you saw The Shadow, he played Cabay Sang. Um, so, uh, not The Shadow, The Phantom. He was in The Phantom. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. He's again one of those guys that you're like, ah, yeah, I know him. Um, and his loyalties are ambiguous, but his journey is a huge part of why this show is diesel punk and not just, well, alternate history makes it diesel punk, but we'll get to that in a minute. Rufus Sewell is John Smith, Obergruppenfuhrer John Smith, and he's investigating the resistance in New York. He's a natural born American who previously served in the US Army Signal Corps and lives a comfortable suburban life with his wife and three children. And it is implied that he embraced Nazism because he grew up in poverty as a result of the Great Depression. And then finally, rounding out the, the core cast is uh, Joel De La Fuente as Chief Inspector uh, Takashi Kido. And he's ruthless. He's the head of the uh, uh, Kempe Tai... Uh, in uh, the, the police force, military police force station in San Francisco. So all of that to say that basically we get a picture of what America would have looked like if Germany and Japan had won the war. And even though it's set in 1962, it's a perfect example of diesel punk out of era, and what I mean by that is, a lot of people get hung up on the diesel punk aesthetic um, only being valid or, or or only being indicated within the years. So they they say that they seem to think that it has to be set in the 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. But that's not true. As long as the film or the property has the style aesthetics of the era then it's diesel punk and one of the things that we talk about in diesel punk is the difference between steampunk and diesel punk steampunk technology stopped pretty much with the development of the steam engine but in diesel punk technology continues forward but it's the style aesthetics that stopped at the end of world war ii mid-50s and we see that in man in the high castle Everybody is still wearing clothing that would have been popular and stylish during World War II. Basically, you know, Hugo Boss Nazi fascism, or fashion. Fa- that's kind of funny, isn't it? That fashion and fascism are, sound so closely related? Hmm. That might be a topic for a roundtable with Eric Fisk. Anyway, uh, German Nazi fashion is the prevailing style of the day. And, and basically, you know, Hitler was obsessed with style and Hugo Boss style in particular. And um, so you see that. Now, this is an alt history, but it's a science fiction alt history. Not only does it ask what would have happened if, but spoiler alert, spoiler alert, in season, at the end of season one, and then all throughout season two, we find out that the films that the Nazis are trying to suppress actually come from alternate timelines. And let's see, Trade Minister uh, Togomi figures out how to travel between these realities, between these worlds. Um, so, You have alternate dimensions, alternate timelines, cross-dimensional travel. It's fascinating. The other thing I just want to say about this is that the character of uh, John Smith, played by Rufus Sewell, is one of the most likable characters on TV. And you have to keep reminding yourself that this guy's a Nazi. This guy's a bad guy. I should not be cheering for this guy. But the writers made him relatable and, and likable, and you understand him, and he it feels very much like your next-door neighbor. I think they did that intentionally to screw with viewers' minds. It does mine, because I have to constantly remind myself who the bad guys are. All right, up next is um, Agent Carter. You guys listening to the show for a long time know that we did an Agent Carter roundtable. And um, this is one of my favorite TV series of recent years. It uh, is a series that features the Marvel Comics character Peggy Carter starring uh, Hallie Atwell uh, reprising her role from the um, uh, film, the Captain America film series and or Captain America First Avenger film. And one shot that was on the uh, Iron Man uh, 2 disc. Um, and she must balance her life as a secret agent with that of a single woman in 1940s America. So, it is set um, right after World War II 1946. And uh, Hallie Atwell plays Peggy Carter, an SSR agent initially stuck in doing administrative work, even though she was one of the people who trained and fought side-by-side side with Captain America. Um, and and Car- Agent Carter's superpower is the fact that other people underestimate her. And she often uses that to her advantage. That's, that's pretty right on. Um, and uh, on the influence of that, the apparent death of Steve... Rogers has on Carter Atwell explained that he was the greatest person she ever knew. Even before he took the serum and became Captain America, she knew his character and she saw a kindred spirit in him. So she's grieving. Uh, She says, I think she's grieving the loss of him, but she's also determined to make sure that his work wasn't in vain. That gives her a tremendous amount of determination to carry on despite the obstacles that comes her way. And she is relegated to an administrative position at the beginning, and throughout the series, she basically forms the foundation of what would become S.H.I.E.L.D. And we know that later on, Howard Stark asks her to be the first director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's see, James D'Arcy as Edwin Jarvis Howard Stark's butler, an ally to Carter, who would eventually be a tutor to Tony Stark and inspire his Jarvis artificial intelligence. Um, so the, the, the thing with this Jarvis is he's not the comic book Jarvis. Um, Mr. Butler from Franny Fisher is closer to the comic book Jarvis than uh, this Edwin Jarvis. Still, he's kind of the Jiminy Cricket for Agent Carter. He adds advice and counsel. And what's really funny is at the end of Season 2, he is the guy who who comes up with the plan to save the day. Let's see, we got uh, Chad Michael Murray as Jack Thompson, a war veteran and agent with the SSR, described as chauvinistic and chest-puffing, and that's, pre- that's pretty much true. Um, he's working his way up to become head of the SSR, and his goal in life is just to be great at his job, but he's got a chip on his shoulder, and it gives him an attitude. And Thompson and Carter butt heads in a big way, and he resents a woman trying to do a man's job. And in the second season, Thompson is made chief of the uh, East Coast SSR. And that's the uh, Strategic Scientific Reserve is what that stands for. Uh, Enver, I'm going to mispronounce this, Go, Goj... Joe Kaj. Gojokaj is Daniel Sousa. Enver is Daniel Sousa. Sousa was actually one of my favorite characters. He's a war veteran, an agent with the SSR, with experience, and... Um, uh experiences he experiences prejudice due to his crippled leg he has he's injured and he has to walk with a uh, crutch but that doesn't really um stop him from being a great great agent and again in season two we get to see him use his crutches as a weapon now that's just kind of the core cast there are a lot of ancillary characters Um, there's Whitney Frost, there's, um, the, uh, oh, it's gonna drive me crazy, why can't I not, Dottie, the, uh, basically the original Black Widow. We get to see in this series a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff that lays the foundation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're seeing the foundation of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're seeing the origin of the Black Widow in this series, um... We see what the Howling Commandos do after, you know, Captain America's death, and this whole series is filled, filled with retrofuturistic tech, future tech, alternate tech that makes this series diesel punk because it is um, that that sci-fi and fantasy that I mentioned. So. Um, and and the punk is just like Miss Fisher's murder mysteries, is this woman fighting against the status quo to be a badass, hard as nails agent, and um, she's she's the celebrated countercultural element. Finally, on my list, and I know this has been a little bit longer episode this week, but uh, timeless. Now let me just preface this by saying that Timeless in and of itself is not a diesel punk property. However, because it's a time travel property, they time travel a lot into the diesel era. And so the diesel punk aesthetics or the diesel era aesthetics are all over this series throughout. And that's why I included it. Probably a better substitution for pure dieselpunk would have been Batman the Animated Series, but I am in love with Timeless. I love this show. Um, When an experimental time machine is stolen, a history professor, a soldier, and an engineer are tasked with capturing the culprit, only to learn that he plans to rewrite American history and that each of them has a connection to his plan as well as the mysterious organization organization that funded the machine's development. It follows the adventures of history professor Lucy Preston, played by Abigail Spencer, scientist Rufus Carlin, played by Malcolm Barrett, and soldier Wyatt Logan, played by Matt Lanter, who also played Anakin on the Clone Wars animated series, as they attempt to stop a mysterious organization called Rittenhouse from changing the course of American history through time travel. So, um, yeah, you got uh, Abigail Spencer as Lucy Preston, Matt Lantner as Master Sergeant Wyatt Logan, Malcolm Barrett as Rufus Carlin, uh, Sakina Jaffrey as Denise Christopher uh, the, de- the the Department of Homeland Security special agent in charge of the time machine recovery mission. Uh, Peterson Jofer Peterson Joseph as Connor Mason, head of Mason Industries, the company that created the Time Machine. Um, let's see Claudia Domit as Jaya or Yaya Mary. Maybe it's pronounced Gia Gia a talented young programmer at Mason Industries, and then um, Goran Vecinic as Garcia Flynn, a former NSA asset who steals a fully operational time machine with the intention of changing American history. And this series was canceled after the first season. But fans wrote in, they petitioned, they got it renewed for a second series, and I'm glad they did. The first season was really this kind of finding ourselves kind of season and deciding what we were going to be. Season two starts full on roller coaster ride. It's phenomenal. And if you're into time travel, and especially time travel into the diesel era, you know, they go and they meet F. Scott Fitzgerald, they meet. Um, Al Capone, Elliot Ness, um, Zelda Fitzgerald, uh, oh, golly, there's uh, there's so much Ernest Hemingway, there's so much diesel era connections in this that that it's it's crazy. They they time traveled to the diesel era more than any other era, um, and in the first episode, you know, they're trying to um they think prevent the uh Hindenburg from exploding when in actuality that's what Garcia Flynn is trying to prevent and uh you know the the team with the uh the NSA they are trying to keep and preserve history but it's clear by the second season you're no longer sure what is and is not true history, because Rittenhouse is using their time machine to travel and alter it. So who is to say what is or isn't true history? It's, It's really a fascinating concept. And if you like that concept, similar concept on TV, but with superpowers, is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. They're superheroes traveling through time to correct historical anachronisms anomalies in the timeline and uh it's a lot of fun and similar thing in the first season they were trying to figure out who they were second season they really came into their own now we're in the third season and they know exactly what this show is about who these characters are and they're not afraid to make fun of themselves it's a good show but uh those are my picks for tv shows for diesel punks on tv miss fishers murder mysteries you can see that on netflix uh tales of the gold monkey on dvd and blu-ray man in the high castle currently seasons one and two on amazon tv with season three on the way and peggy carter you can see those episodes on netflix also on blu-ray and dvd and of course timeless which is currently on nbc Uh, Season 1 you can catch on Hulu, and if you don't see the shows on Sunday nights when they actually air, you can check them the next day on Hulu. Now, a couple of honorable mentions. And I've only seen one or two episodes of some of these, uh, and one of them I've not seen yet at all. So I really can't speak to it. But um, Z, The Beginning of Everything, is a biopic series about Zelda Fitzgerald, the original Flapper Girl. So you might want to check that out. Damnation on USA television. I have yet to see this, but Tome Wilson speaks very highly of it. Babylon Berlin is currently on Netflix. So you can see that and you can watch it with uh, subtitles in the original German or with an overdub, uh, depending on what you like. Uh, Bomb Girls, also on Netflix and cable girls which is a similar concept to bomb girls except in europe it's uh, set in spain during uh, world war ii so um and that's available with uh, subtitles or overdubs as well so lots of good tv there lots of hours to spend binging and they're uh they're all binge worthy and uh, hope you like that i would love to hear some of your picks for Diesel Punk tv maybe something i missed and, uh, shoot me an email, feedback at dieselpunkpodcast.com, or directly to me at bigdaddycool at bigdaddycoolshows.com. You can connect with us at dieselpunkpodcast.com or bigdaddycoolshows.com. And, um, and, and you, at both of those websites, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media vehicle of your choice. Uh, also check out our sponsor, Comic Bento at mycomicbento.com, and of course, if you like what we're producing, make sure you drop a tip in our digital tip jar at Patreon.com/slash/BigDaddyCoolShows. That would be great. And as always, until the next time, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.